wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. So maybe to start off, we'll, we'll just calm the nerves with a, with a song because I'm learning the Indian flute and now everyone has to learn it with me. So <laughs> <laughs> let's see how this goes. so calm i know don't you elise adrenal fatigue yeah so tiring yeah <laughs> my cortisol levels my cortisol levels just went down at least That's 10 right. notches. yep <laughs> see it doesn't it doesn't cost you any money you don't need any medication you don't need anything just like calming soothing activities and then you're just like ready to just <laughs> rest and recover it's what your body's been asking you to do for maybe years now. And if you're feeling exhausted, it's probably because your body's screaming out for a bit of relaxation and rest. Like it's been happening with my friend Joe Witten here over the past few days. <laughs> I've had to, you know, hold, like I didn't want to stress her out. I really wanted to sort of yell at her to make her rest. I was like, this actually make the problem even worse. So I had to be like the nicest, calmest version of myself, which is not really very nice and calm, but as much as I could. I was like, Joe, you got to take some time out. It's like, no, I don't want, I don't have time. I want to, I've got all this stuff. I wasn't that bad. It was, it was crazy. So, he always makes me sound so much worse than I am. <laughs> yeah. well. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. Joe Witten, Elise Comerford. We're talking about adrenal fatigue, exhaustion, iodine, thyroid, rest, recovery, sunshine, sleep, weight gain, movement, oh weight gain. Also, well, let's let's talk about that kind of stuff. Elise, welcome back. Thank you. Hello. Nice to. Speak to you guys again, as always. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, a good week. Um, the podcast has received very good uh, reviews from the listeners, and they wanted you back, and they wanted to hear more about this topic. So thanks there was, for coming back. There was some people feeling very impatient that they had to wait for part two. <laughs> <laughs> You're back! Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Before we kick off, Joe Darwin and Alice Springs are on, on oh, the call. I'm so excited, although. Hopefully you won't die of heat exhaustion, but I'm still excited. Is it going yeah, to be that what, bad? what are the dates for that? For Darwin? 24th of October, we're in Darwin at the yeah. Charles Darwin University. Is this why it's called Darwin? Is it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Charles Darwin University. And then uh, we've got Alice Springs on the 26th of October. Yoo-hoo. Well, I might be going up to Darwin some kind ah! of time, so I might have to oh. arrange the dates. Yeah, I think you should. Yeah. Come hang out. Yeah, do it. Then we'll so get come, even come more people because out. they'll all want to come see Elise. <laughs> That'll be good. We'll get you on stage. Yeah. Yeah. That'll Beautiful. Be so, uh, Jojo, mm-hmm. uh, if, if, hold on. You guys, if you want to come to our Darwin and Alice Springs event, if you live in that area, we'd love to see you there. Head on over to quirkycooking.com.au and click the events link on the page. You will be able to... Um, book your ticket straight from there also a reminder that we're going to be in perth on the 21st of november in mount claremont and on the 23rd of november uh in jundalak and there's a midday session for both and an evening session for both so um love to see you there go ahead and book and maybe that's it that's all the news we've got let's just go Mm -hmm. to the podcast and talk about Exhaustion. I'm too tired to talk about this. <laughs> I'm going to leave you guys to talk about it. I'm just going to go have a nap. Hey. To... <laughs> yeah. So, Elise, yeah. where did we leave off last time? We, we wanted to talk about iodine. Maybe let's kick it off with the iodine. Yeah. What's iodine about? Okay. Is it okay if I just do a little backward step with what yeah. I would have 
spoken about next last mm-hmm. week. Please do. Because before we even look at iodine, there are some other specific nutrients. So I think we kind of left it off last time with getting into the whole food nourishing diet, lots of fat and protein. Um, and I, we maybe talked about, egg, we definitely talked about egg yolks because we talked about the Russian custard and the mango which, salsa. Which Elise so nicely put up on her blog <laughs> for us, her delicious Elise bars. Oh, well. Oh. <laughs> I know, I didn't put them up. As well. <laughs> it's so like I usually, yeah, I usually make it into the soft serve, but I have done it in the, <laughs> in the ice cream as well. But, so yeah. it's the Russian custard mango version. So have a look on, on that. Uh, we'll put the link down Elise, there. you're coming next Wednesday to visit me, right? Yeah. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I am, um, and I'll make that for you if you make chaga stock for me. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, oh. I saw that on your Instagram. Sounds like That's a good day. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to just refrigerate some because I've just boiled this. Uh, I don't know how long you can keep boiling. I know that you can for like days. You can keep extracting chaga out of chaga chunks. Um, but I, I don't know But if I can do that for a week. So I might have to find some chunks for you and make yeah. it. Yeah. Chaga is a great uh, that that actually would be very helpful for adrenal fatigue. Chaga, Definitely. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should explain so. what it is. Uh, chaga is a woody mushroom that looks like a it grows on a tree, like it just it grows in North America and uh, parts of Europe and Russia. Uh, that's what I know. I don't know where else it grows. Probably more places. Uh, I don't think it's native to Australia, but it's a kind of mushroom that's considered an adaptogen. And it's a very unique and peculiar quality that uh, a herb can have. Most herbs are either like if you're down, they pull you up. Or other herbs, if you're up, they bring you down. So let's talk about, say, immune system. So some people have a hyperactive immune system, so they need something to bring the immune system down so it's not as, uh, you know, it's not attacking them as powerfully if they have, say, an autoimmune disease. Uh, at least feel free to, to correct me. Uh, and then there's uh, immune systems that are hypoactive. They're not as active as they should be. So a human being could be prone to sickness more easily because the immune system is down. Um, yeah. Usually you have to take a herb if you're down or another herb if you're up uh, in terms of the immune system. But chaga has this ability to modulate the immune system. Hmm. So it seems to have an intelligent pathway it's it brings you to a healthy baseline regardless if you're up or down which is incredibly impressive for something to function in that way so people drink it for all sorts of health benefits um, energy clarity immune system sleep uh, rest recovery all sorts of stuff inflammation inflammation Mm. what else elise tell me balances blood sugar um, it contains a lot of nutrients. It's very nutrient dense. The vitamins, vitamin D. So, vitamin D in mushrooms is so much better quality that you'll ever get from a synthetic vitamin D supplement. Oh, which I would never ever recommend anyone take a synthetic vitamin D supplement. Oh. Um, so then, other it's got other trace elements like copper, selenium. It's got zinc and. What is magnesium. it I've heard about um, putting mushrooms in the sunshine? to absorb vitamin d or something before you eat them have you heard of that yeah so yeah if you go well mushrooms really don't they grow in the sunshine i think they should yeah they should get lots of sunshine and probably that as well um if you dry them or put them out in the sun before they're also going going to absorb more so yeah mushrooms can be really really high in vitamin d and if you have crystals full moon (laughs) yeah Oh, and they the could make it amazing up. last night. Sorry. The moon. Yes, I saw the moon too last night. It looked quite orange. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So there you go, guys. Chaga mushroom. You can uh, look for a reputable source for wild harvested chaga. Um, I don't think they're at that point now where they can sort of grow it over um, um, what do you call wood chips and uh, sawdust and stuff because it's it's kind of a strange kind of mushroom. Other mushrooms like reishi, can, which have similar um, functions, can be grown commercially. But chaga, I don't think it's uh, something you can grow unless it's wild. So, But make sure it is a wild harvested uh, chaga mushroom that you can get from a good source. And um, yeah, just boil it and drink it. Some people do a double extraction with alcohol as well. So it has 
um, yeah, different benefits when you do an alcohol extraction in the chaga. So, yeah, so I think super faced are pretty easy to access. Have you heard of super faced? Heard of super faced? Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah, theirs is wild grown. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Pretty there sure. Super yeah. feast. Yeah, and if you go to a bulk food store, they often have them there in bulk, which makes it a lot cheaper than buying them in the little containers and packets. Mm, yeah. I've never even seen one. Yeah, so... Well, this is a um, podcast by the sounds of it. They're <laughs> <laughs> good at rabbit trails. I love chaga. Very nice. Um, so, yeah, so I think last week I was going to just mention some of, some of the specific nutrients we can focus on. So if you you know you're doing the whole food nourishing diet, you've taken those steps, and now you want to just hone in on some key nutrients and things like A, D, um, E, and K. So they're all our fat soluble vitamins, um, and also the B vitamins, vitamin C, <clears throat> magnesium. So you can start honing in on those first of all through food um, is where I'd always be looking to get them from. And then there's things like our omega fats. Um, acetyl L-carnitine, CoQ10. Um, so, I first of all, as I said, I'd be really trying to get that from food. Um, so, do you want to give us a, a, a list of foods? Or so, animal fats. So, animal fats. We're pretty much going to get all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just eating a good variety of fruit and veg. So. I forget the name of the doctor you had on here and he was talking about trying to get those 40 different types. So, Dr. Jason Horalek, yeah. Yeah, so getting that good wide variety of fruit and veg once they're tolerated. Um, so if you are on early stage of the gaps and, you know, it's once everything's tolerated. Cod liver oil and fish oil, so they're fantastic sources of your omegas, of A and D, grass-fed butter, vitamin K, um, organ meats, you're going to get your B vitamins, you're also going to get some trace elements, you're going to get vitamin A, it's the most potent source of vitamin A, your egg yolks, you're going to get some zinc, choline, biotin, um, plus some B vitamins as well, some calcium, um, plenty of salt, so it's really important to get your sodium levels up to support your adrenals, and things like avocados, red and white meat, fish, fermented foods. And using magnesium like Epsom salts, mag spray. Oh, like all the time, all this stuff? Like I don't have to eat all this all the time? <laughs> well, so it's it's overwhelmed, giving, I'm overwhelmed. It's giving you a variety so, so you don't get bored. So, yeah, so the step before was whole food nourishing diet, plenty of fat and protein, fresh fruit and veg. If you're doing that and you're going, okay, I'm doing that, I'm getting there, but still not quite there, then start looking at your cod liver oil, your fish oil, your organ meats, your egg yolks. That's when you start getting in the really dense stuff, your mm. um, meat and veg, your fermented foods. So, yeah, it's just that's really covering, um, covering everything. So I talked a bit, you know, I mentioned the names of the vitamins and minerals we need, but if you're having a cod liver oil supplement, organ meats and egg yolks you, and eating animal fats, you're just pretty much covering it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so it's really about that dense nutrition you can get from food. So um, a good idea probably because if, if you take that list and you try to imagine how that would look like in a day, it's completely something you can't achieve. You can't eat all the stuff probably in one day. So spread <laughs> it over a period of a week or two to have like a variety of these things. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, well, and it, and it really depends for each person where they're at. And I guess that's what we talked about in the last podcast as well. If trying to eat organ meat every day because I said how good it is makes you really stressed with trying to fit it in, when am I going to have it? That's really and I don't like it, and I just can't yeah. eat that much of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's really defeating the purpose of starting to stress you out. Mm-hmm. But um, this kind of thing, like eating some animal fats, wide variety of fruit and veg, and having a cod liver oil supplement, really, they're things that you could do every day. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you've mentioned to me before. Um, when you're working on getting more egg yolks into your diet, you'll get to the stage where, um, you know, your body's wanting them. And then you were saying that um, as you heal, you'll just naturally not want as many. Is that right? Like yeah, you that's listen. exactly right. Yeah. yeah, your body starts to tell you. So you can even really focus on one thing at a time. So the animal fats and the wide variety of fruit and veg, you know, there are basics. We're always going to have those in. Yeah. Um, but you might go, okay, I've got that in right now. I'm just going to focus on cod liver oil. So that's in my mind. That's the only thing I've got to add in. 
Yeah, add one thing at a time. Olive oil every day, which you can get um, in a liquid or in capsules. What's a good brand? So Rosita's, which I stock mm-hmm. on microbiomestore.com, mm-hmm. maybe.au as well. <laughs> it's all right. We'll find the link. <laughs> um, so Rosita's, because I really like the way they catch and process. It's um, mm-hmm. really traditional way of doing it. And they do a small batch and the kind of thing we like. It's sustainable, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it preserves the A and D, which is what we're really wanting to get out of it. So you could just start with that, just adding that in and knowing that you're adding in something really nutrient-dense. And cod liver oil is not something you do forever. How um, much did so, you say? Did you say how much to take? So you would take five mils. Mm-hmm. So five, that's, that's an adult dosage is five mil a day. And that's, you know, different for everyone in terms of where they're at. If you know you're someone on a healing journey and you're really sensitive, so you've got a lot of health issues you're dealing with, you may start at one mil a day and slowly increase it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least you know how, like you said, your body tells you like it doesn't need something anymore. Yeah. This is something I've been thinking about. Like, you know, I'm all for nutritional density and having food, you know, give you a lot of nourishment. But is there a tipping point after which, like, it's just a bit too much stuff for the body? Well, it's not the tipping point. I, there's not like we could identify a tipping point, but say, well, say, for example, with cod liver oil, we'd only ever do it for three to six months anyway, and that's also very individual. It does depend on the person. It could mm-hmm. be longer. But it's not something you have to do for a long time because we can get, we can just use food uh, once we restore that nutrition. When we're talking gaps, it is very all, like all very high-dense nutrition in the start. It is ideal to get organ meats and egg yolks and all that stuff in every day and the fats and the ferments, and it's all very nutrient-dense. And it really comes to the point where it's listening. It really is listening to your body. So Mm -hmm. I've definitely got to the point where I went pretty much vegetarian for a month or so Mm -hmm. because I had been, you know, high protein and lots of really nutrient dense stuff for such a long period of time that I got to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm just not really, I'm not feeling like meat. I'm not feeling like eating that. I'm not feeling like so much fat. And then I really wanted lots of fresh um, vegetables. So I was just eating like capsicums like they're an apple, you know, cucumber every day um, and lots of salads. So I was really wanting a lot of raw and I was doing cooked as well and still eating things like eggs. Um, And then I just kind of got to the point after a month, you know, and I was probably eating meat once a week. And then I got to the point after a month where I started craving liver. So, um, so yeah, it's really, it really is about you do get to a point where you just listen to your body and you'll go through waves. And yeah, I go through sometimes like, as it sounds like the body requires a bit of a break from nutrition. Well, it's not a break from nutrition because you're still getting a lot of nutrition from your lots of fresh veggies. Comparatively, if you were to sort of really graph what's in liver, comparatively, we're saying maybe there's there's less nutrition, you know, pound for pound. So maybe a a break from all the really rich foods and and the ones for a little while. Yeah, that's exactly it, the cleansing. Mm -hmm. So it's the body starts going, okay, we've done lots of healing and, um, healing and starting to replace lots of the the cell structures and um, yeah, all that rebuilding and retracing. And then the body starts craving some cleansing. And And now let's get some more detox out. Yeah. 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 Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And it's all about going through different phases of healing where you're at. So Mm. for people who are in early stages of gaps and still healing, what we just said is completely irrelevant to them because Mm. they may start to crave fresh food, but, if you are really in that healing stage and not tolerating much, you do really need to stick with the healing. And that's where I guess a practitioner comes in handy to know what's what in terms of, um, you know, listening to your body. Um, But yeah, when you're well into the healing, when you've kind of got to that point where you're not having the digestive symptoms anymore and a lot of healings happened, then you're really um, open to listening to where your body's at. Well, I just um, was talking to my friend today and she said, I'm just craving Russian custard and I feel like six egg yolks 
might be too many, but I just want it. And I'm like, no, that's not too many. <laughs> not too many. If your body's saying, give me those egg yolks, then just keep yeah. having them until it says no more. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So once you've kind of been focusing on the food and then if you're still needing adrenal support, that's when I'd look at um, adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms and and sup- and actually supplementing with you know B vitamins or mm. vitamin C magnesium um, and and then testing. So there is testing that can be done um, to see where your stress hormones and sex hormones are at. It's called the Dutch profile. So it's only once kind of addressing everything else that we'd actually start looking at that stuff. Not to say that you can't use adaptogenic herbs right from the start you absolutely can they're just not going to fix the problem so if you're sitting there going well i'm really stressed and i've definitely got adrenal issues what can i take yeah it's like you're really going to waste your time there you've really got to start with the food yeah yeah you've really got to you could start taking something but at the same time start addressing start with where you can reduce stress in your life yeah. Where you can slow down and get out in the get out in nature and make time for that, and then and start addressing the food as well. With the adaptogenic herbs, is that like a um, herbal supplement, like from a naturopath or yes, tea? yes, yeah. So you well, you can do either. You can make you can do um, teas. You can go to a naturopath or a herbal dispensary mm-hmm. um, and just ask them. You know, tell them how you're feeling, and they can just make you something up. It's great if you have access to a herbal dispensary. We've got a really good one here in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, you can get something made up. Yeah, which I I take something most of the time. I get just depending how I'm feeling. I get ones that really support the liver, ones that really support the adrenals, and every month or so, take some herbs. Yeah, and I guess, like you say, that's where it's good to have a practitioner on board to help you figure out what you need to focus on at that time. Yeah, yeah, and as I said, I talk about it like in an order, like so slowing down and reducing your emotional stress and work stress and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, uh, working out your your, your mindset, Mm -hmm. um, how resilient you are, and and then looking at diet and then, um, really nutrient dense foods and then the supplements and herbs mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily have to do it in that order but just mm-hmm. re- remind yourself that that's the list of priorities if you're just supplementing and taking a lot of herbs and rushing around all the time you, you're really not going to get anywhere yeah, with it. exactly <laughs> yeah and and for some people it's the rest that's the main thing I think for me oh well I, I guess I've been working on the food side of things for a long time and when I crash and burn is when I put too much on my plate yeah. and I get exhausted. Um, so for me, it's at the moment, it's just keeping an eye on getting enough sleep at night and all of that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to that priority list, sleep is definitely number one. On mm. there. So sleep is definitely number one on that priority list. And I've, I have been working on the iodine as well. So is this... Is this um, a good time to talk about the iodine then? Yeah. So in, so in there with those, that supplementing, um, something that I look at with a lot, with a lot of my clients um, is iodine. So iodine is a really interesting one because when we start talking about iodine, a lot of people can get a bit worried of, oh, mm. I've, heard, you know, I've heard different things about iodine and if there's anyone sitting there with a thyroid issue, hypo or hypothyroid, well, you know, I've heard that iodine really isn't good for the thyroid, that it can shut down the thyroid. <clears throat> so the really interesting thing about iodine is that it's more important than we realise for a lot more than the thyroid. Mm. So we, when you hear iodine, you usually would relate it to the thyroid. So it's really important for many other functions in the body. So um, it's needed in small amounts by every single cell in our body. So every single cell requires iodine. Mm. Um, so it's important for production of hormones, um, for the function of our immune system. It's antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, and even reported to have anti-cancer properties as well. Mm. So and there's quite a bit of research on that. Mm. So... Um, with the whole thing about iodine and the thyroid, so there, <coughs> there was a study done 
1948, there was a study done on rats um, and then another one following in 1969, which was done on humans. And what happened in those studies, it was um, they found that the iodine shuts down the function of the thyroid. So these are the only two studies that found that and no one ever looked to see if what they found in this research was verifiable until some doctors came along who are known now as the iodine doctors like Dr. David Brownstein and there's a few others uh, and they found that what was um what was found in those studies was not verifiable and wasn't true. So oh. it's called the Wolf-Chaikoff assumption. Um, and, it, you know, it, it kind of rings a bit like the whole cholesterol hypothesis. With okay. Disease, yeah. You know, it's like one study. One study changes. Um, it can change everything. And so this Wolf-Chaikoff assumption, as it's called, that the iodine shuts down the thyroid, um, is founded to not be true. And there's a lot of science to back this. But unfortunately... That one study, um, because the, it's the one everyone yeah. knows, <laughs> yeah, and it's because the researchers involved in that study, they had positions in certain universities. Um, the main researcher, he was very loud about the whole message from it, and so it, it's just become it's become common knowledge that's not true. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the iodine doctors have been working over 30 years with thousands of patients using iodine in high doses and seeing absolutely incredible results mm. and definitely not the hypothyroidism that yeah. that's, this study told them they should be seeing. Yeah. So according to this study, everyone, everyone they're working with, these thousands of people should all be hypothyroid um, yeah. and it's just not happening. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so iodine therapy is used to treat hypothyroidism. Um, and yeah. lots of different thyroid issues. So I'm happy to share a bit of that research. For some people, it's just like any message, like the low-fat thing, when you've been hearing it for mm. a long time, it's hard to kind of switch your brain with it and go, okay, this, you know, okay, this is okay. Um, but there is a lot of science there. This isn't, any, this isn't just a theory. It's backed by lots of hard evidence. Yeah. It is um, a theory. It's not a hypothesis. That's like, it's actually... Well, Right? What's that? Sorry? Like, it, it a the, what's that, me or what's that, Dylan? That's Dylan. <laughs> hey, Dylan, what do you think about iodine, man? I can't hear you. What do you think about iodine? <laughs> Say hi to John Tree. Hi. Hi, Dylan. Hello, Dylan. <laughs> what do you think about iodine? Do you take iodine? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're so adorable. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. Sorry, what was your question, Fee? Yeah. I'll say I'll say like it, it is like um this thing about theory, it is it is it's not a hypothesis, right? Like it's not yeah. yeah, right. So you're saying that most of the science is now show pointing as a working theory that iron is uh healthy. The thyroid. And it's, oh, definitely. Yeah. And there's a there is a lot of science um, yeah. to show that. So mm. um, basically, what those doctors found back in 1948, 1969, it's not replicable. Like that's just mm. not what we see. Mm. Um, so, and there's some specific ways of using iodine and implementing the protocol to make sure that the body does use the iodine properly. Mm. So the only way that we can have thyroid issues when using iodine <clears throat> actually has nothing to do with iodine but has to do with selenium. So selenium is deficient mm. and then we can see thyroid issues. Mm. Um, so some of the conditions... My hand gets really hot. Okay, great. Um, some of the <laughs> symptoms of iodine deficiency are fatigue, hypertension, which is high blood pressure, depression, hair loss, hoarseness, so voice, hoarseness, um, dry skin, constipation, cold intolerance, so, you know, cold hands and feet, not being able to deal with the cold very well, uh, difficulties with concentration, muscle cramps, menstrual problems, poor memory, inability to concentrate, weight gain, nervousness, infertility, irritability, bone thinning, cretinism, mental impairment, breast pain, fibrocystic breast, menstrual pain, 
adrenal issues and ovarian cysts, and that is just some of them. Mm. So if brain fog is your symptom, then don't worry about the other stuff. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so anyone can pretty much go, well, I've got some of those symptoms. Um, And, yeah, iodine is just such an interesting one because of that and just when you do get that understanding of how important it is for the function of every cell in our body and how deficient we are in it. So... Mm. Um, yeah all right so so what i just go grab a bottle of iodine and start drinking it well (laughs) when it comes to supplementing of it um that's not something i generally just like to go hey iodine salt so i get iodine salt is that no you definitely shouldn't get iodine salt because the form of iodine in the iodine salt is only the one so it's potassium iodide and that will only um, help your thyroid and that's it nothing else so it, it and the current iodine recommendations are it's, i think it's 150 microgram a day and that is like that is just enough iodine to prevent goiter and wow. so when you think about that it's only supplying the thyroid with enough iodine to prevent goiter yet every cell in our body needs iodine so our current recommendations are really poor so the amount in the salt is low anyway. And then iodine starts dissipating when exposed to oxygen. So by the time your iodine salt gets into your cupboard and then sits there, we don't even know that you're getting any iodine. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Yeah. And so the salt that's iodized is usually highly processed salt as well. So you know, you're not getting much nutrition from that. Um, so Dr. David Brownstein is someone I've mentioned a few times already and he has a book called Iodine. Yeah, yeah. So Iodine, Why You Need It and Why You Can't Live Without It. And that that's a really good read. It's quite a scientific one. So a bit like reading the GAPS book where you, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, a, it's not a sit down and enjoy it with a cup of chugger at night. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but there is another book that I really love um and it's called the iodine crisis and that is a fantastic one because it's broken up with testimonials and although you know testimonials are anecdotal but they're also important it's anecdotal evidence that we start you know that we start basing hypothesis and research on anyway Mm. um so but it is a really good read like that it's got some of the facts and then and then some then some testimonials and then some more of the facts and then some more testimonials so it makes it a really good and interesting read. And so I think that is one that um, everyone would benefit from reading and understanding what's going on with iodine. And a big factor in this iodine crisis and why we are so deficient in it, so like I said, the RDI for one is way too low. Mm. Um, And something really interesting, when I, I started researching iodine in Australia, because when everything we read about iodine in these iodine books it all talks about how um, bread is fortified with iodine, but in Australia it's not. So I think in America it still is, but it's actually not in Australia. So, uh, sorry, yeah, no, bread is for... Okay, hang on, let me take a bit of backward step. Um, so um, in America, bread is fortified with bromine. So I'm going to start talking about bromine now. Sorry if I've jumped and confusing people. <laughs> uh, but bromine is another halide. So iodine is one of the halides. Bromine is another one, but it's toxic. So yeah. in America, bread, and you'll, if you do go and read the iodine books, you'll read a lot about the issue with bromine and how um, bromine pushes our iodine levels down. So we're not getting enough iodine. RDI is low and availability of iodine in soil is low. It's low in our diet. So we're not getting enough. And then to throw it on top of that, um, in America, bread is brominated. It has brominated flour in it. So and why in, do they do that? Oh, it's got something to do with preserving. Like, oh, yeah, of yeah, right. yeah. So it used to be done with iodine, but then they said, oh, no, iodine is going to shut down people's thyroid, so now we'll do it with bromine. <laughs> Um, and bromine, yeah, is toxic and um, actually pulls down the iodine levels. So in Australia, though, bread, the flowers aren't brominating anymore. They do have iodine back in them, but, again, not the right form and not nowhere near enough. Mm. Um, 
And so, but bromine is also in fire retardants, lots of cleaning products, lots of um, makeups and lots of different things as bromine in. So bromine is, some are saying it's like the chemical equivalent of global warming, how much bromine we have in our environment and how much bromine we're exposed to. And so the bromine is pushing out our iodine. So it's like they compete. So bromine takes up these iodine receptors and that means any iodine we're taking in, we're just, we're just weighing it out because our iodine receptors are attached to bromine. So that's, you know, it's this double-ended sword that we're not getting enough iodine. There's not a recognition for the need of it. Plus we're exposed to too much bromine, which pushes our iodine levels down. And bromine in some countries is actually banned. Like we do know... Um, that bromine is toxic. Couples with highest amount of brominated fire retardants in their bloodstreams have been reported to have the lowest fertility, infertility rates, um, lowest fertility rates. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's lots of issues with this bromine toxicity. Um, and then, so, um, so uh, yeah, when I was looking into Australia um, and seeing, because I didn't think that our flowers were brominated anymore, um, so that was removed. Iodine was added instead, but it is just the iodized salt. Um, but, I, yeah, so I was having a look and I saw that in the 1950s in Tasmania there was an issue in children with low iodine. And so they started actually giving iodine tablets to them at school and it was 10 milligrams of iodine. So that's actually a thousand times the current daily recommended dose and they were given that was given for 16 years and there was a reduction in goiters and wow yeah so for 16 years they were safely handing them out to school children um a thousand times our current daily recommended dose of iodine with 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 benefits shown from it um so the historical use of iodine it's when you you know when you start the book the book that I've recommended goes right into it when you look at the historical use of iodine and all the different things it's been used for it's really crazy to think one you know a couple of studies and all of a sudden we've turned our back on something that's had so much benefit for so long um so it's been found to help ADD ADHD atherosclerosis which is hardening of the arteries that can lead to heart disease uh, breast diseases, so particularly fibrocystic breast, um, even yeah, breast yeah. cancers, um, excess mucus production, fatigue, goiter, hemorrhoids, headaches, migraine headaches, hypertension, which is high blood pressure infections, keloids, liver diseases, ovarian diseases, um, prostate disorders, thyroid disorders, vaginal infections. So there's lots of things. That, and that, that, again, is just such a small list um, of what iodine's been shown to help. Um, I'm just talking and talking and talking here. That's so all right. No, if you have a question, we'll interrupt. Keep going. iodine is the ability to continue talking for <laughs> Yes, yes. You think really clearly with a lot of clarity. Um, yeah, I was actually recording a webinar um, for a series I'm doing called The Gap Session. So I was doing that yesterday. And I hadn't taken my iodine that morning. And there was a couple of times I was like, I couldn't remember a couple of words. I'm like, um, and then afterwards I was like, I didn't take my iodine this morning. That must be why. <laughs> um, so a really interesting story, which is in um, iodine crisis, is that there's a town in China that has been known for over 500 years to be Excuse the excuse me calling this using this terminology, but this is what was in the book is the town of idiots. Oh. So um, some physicians worked out that oh, iodine. Oh, yes, darling. Oh, I know, Dylan. Oh, it's so cute. It's not a nice word. I know. I know. Yeah, right. Um, so <laughs> I told. I know. I got told. Um, so some physicians it's not worked nice out. It's nice to say idiot because then. So some physicians worked out that iodine deficiency was the reason. And so they started actually adding iodine to their water supply. Um, and so 12 months after this project started, infant mortality 
dropped by half. Sheep production increased 40%. What, what production? Sheep production? Sheep, yeah. So they're oh. animals. So we're, we're actually more fertile and, huh. um, and the mortality rate was dropping for them too. Um, and later measurements showed that the average five-year-old's height had increased by four inches. Um, and the average intelligence of children born after this irrigation project started increased 16 IQ points. That's and then, you know, stillborn animals and miscarriages were reduced by 50% as well. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible um, what, what iodine can do and how important it is. So um, what's a good brand of iodine? So Lugal's iodine is the one we want to use and the protocol we follow is the Dr. Brownstein's iodine protocol. Um, there's a lot of things that go along with it. So I don't recommend anyone just go out and go, okay, Elise said iodine's really important. So I'm just going to go a bottle of, mm. buy a bottle of Lugal's and start. Um, I really don't recommend you do that because it does need to be done properly. Um, and with, with a practitioner that knows about iodine, preferably. Um, so I have created a program to do the iodine Tell protocol me. where I have a video explaining me with two hands. Okay. Uh, a video explaining all of this and how to use iodine and then some support with it as well um, because iodine supplementing isn't something that I like to just go, hey, here, this is how you do it and off you go. I like to yeah. support people with that because there's signs that, you, that you're increasing too quickly with your iodine. You need to pull back and there can be lots of detox symptoms from it as well and ways to manage that. So I really like to work with people on that one. So I created that program to make it, um, make, you know, a more cost-effective way for people to be able to just come and implement that iodine um, protocol but with the support they need to do it. Do you want to mention how selenium, selenium works with iodine? Okay, so selenium is um, a cofactor that's very important for the function of the thyroid. So we need selenium for the thyroid to function and it's got to do with how the thyroid hormones are converted. And so deficiency of selenium can lead to autoimmune thyroid conditions. Um, so selenium is absolutely essential. And Selenium also is important for other functions of the body. So it's another one that we could um, go right into as to how deficient we are in it and how important it is. Have I told the story about selenium before? About my doctor? No. Blood test maybe three, four years ago or something. And I've been eating lots of Brazil nuts because I, you know, I was reading all the good stuff about selenium. I'm like, oh, good. I'll just eat some Brazil nuts and stuff. I went to the doctor. She's like, oh, yeah, everything looks fine. But, man, your selenium looks like it's too, too high. I said, she goes, yeah, it's way above the, like, the limit of what the report says. I said, what does it mean? She goes, I don't know. She <laughs> 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 yeah, had no idea what, you know, like elevated selenium really meant. She was just worried just because the paper said she should be worried. That's funny. Anyway. Yeah, but they, 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 with the, with selenium, you can actually become toxic with selenium. Yeah. So yeah, it isn't something. But I'm sure um, that your selenium. Oh, it's just like I, you know, I've had some Brazilian test. You know, it's not like chronically elevated. It was just a no. you know, in a point in time. Yeah, a bit too many Brazil nuts, and uh, you know, mm. so it's funny. Yeah, but um, so that's a good source of selenium, yeah? Yeah, Brazil nuts are, but something I've actually found, when, where, where were the Brazil nuts from that you were eating when you were getting that? Oh, God. I always assumed they came from Brazil, at least, you know, otherwise they'd be <laughs> something else. <laughs> but when I remember you saying that Brazil nuts in Australia, I'm like... Uh, what I mean is, you know, how it's far so they travel and everything. Yeah. yeah, that you said you saying that they just don't taste anything like the ones you've eaten. Well, no, no, I didn't. That's not what I said. I said okay. I've, I've always struggled finding a batch that isn't rancid. So, like, yeah, like I would buy Brazil nuts and I'll eat one or two just to make sure that you know it wasn't a fluke and i have to spit them out because they like i can taste rancid nuts very easy and rancid nuts are really bad for you like they're yeah. just you just shouldn't be eating a rancid nut so um you know so i'll go through the bag and 
you know, I'll probably lose something like 20 to 30% of the bag uh, because I'm trying to detect which ones are healthy and good for me and which ones have oxidized. And yeah, um, yeah so that's been my experience. As I've never had a 100% bag of Brazil nuts. Yeah, so that's my yeah, I, that's my issue with Brazil nuts, and I'm just so uncertain about how much selenium's left in them, where they're grown, whether the. I'll tell you what, my blood results showed a lot. My blood. My yeah, blood. so wherever you source those ones, yeah. they, maybe they were good ones. But I've had I've had clients um, start iodine protocol whilst using Brazil nuts to get their selenium, six to eight Brazil nuts a day to get the required amount of selenium. And seeing the signs that they're not getting enough selenium, and mm-hmm. so and then we start a supplement, which is, which should be the same dose because six to eight Brazil nuts is two hundred micrograms of selenium, mm-hmm. um, and so and that will be the dose I would get them on from a supplement, and then I start to see um, positive changes that like they are on the selenium. So I've just been a bit wary, although I would always usually prefer to get. Uh, um, nutrients from food is dylan um, coughing in the microphone like is he actually choking on the microphone <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be involved <laughs> yeah, is he all right let's deal yeah. with dylan's yeah, coughing. No, but yeah I, I think you know whole food sources are definitely best but um wanted results as well so yeah uh, so that's just something i'm wondering with the iodine uh information you said you have a program for iodine does that also include details on selenium or is it just purely about iodine no it's all the things that you should be taking alongside so it's the whole protocol of of restoring your iodine everything you need to take along with it how to do it you know what signs and symptoms you may see what to do if you do um, so it's basically got all the information there so you can confidently and safely restore your iodine levels. Also wow. with support. So there's a Facebook group um, with some support there. I don't like to give out any kind of information with supplementing iodine and, and, and doing that protocol without offering the support along with it as well. I think that's really important. What's that, Dylan? He's just got cold feet. Oh. <laughs> You're in South Queensland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Dylan, you're coming to visit me next week, man. It's going to be warm, hopefully. We'll take you out for a bushwalk and light a fire together, get those hands and feet warm. What do you think? Do you want to go visit Foo next week? Yep. See <laughs> your friend. Beautiful. Who's your girlfriend? <laughs> oh, I've got two of them. You can choose. <laughs> Who's your girlfriend? Can't remember. Can't remember. <laughs> you're gonna come visit me in december (laughs) yeah that was that was at gaps tree (laughs) long time ago mum how old is he now he is how old are you dylan four 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 Four, that's good. So, so if you got that, yeah, yeah. we got it. Yeah, I think he said four. I'm not 100 percent sure. If he had repeated yeah. it one more time, I would be. But <laughs> no, that's great. All right, so so we've covered iodine. Do you think we've covered it sufficiently? Uh, I guess this is a good starting point for people because obviously this is one of those things that um, you can't just learn everything from a single podcast. There's trial, there's error, there's things that you're going to learn about your body's individual response to it. You're going to need more information as you go on this journey, the type of support that Elise is talking about in her program. But is there anything in terms of, let's say, giving a human being out there listening to this podcast uh, a bit more of a reason to uh, consider iodine? Would they be able, for instance, to test for iodine levels? in the Yeah, garden? yeah, 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 definitely. So um, iodine testing is something that I offer to the people um, in the group as well. I'm happy to do their testing and give them their results as a part of that iodine program. Mm. Um, so the way we do testing is there's a pre and post loading urine test, and that is the best way to test iodine levels. Mm-hmm. And what, what we usually do is start supplementing for a couple of months first. So just sticking with a fairly low dose in terms of, you know, high dose in terms of the RDI, but low dose in terms of the dosage 
we would normally get to in an iodine protocol for a couple of months and then testing. And the reason for that is because um, those iodine receptors can be a little bit dried and shriveled up. And so if you imagine like a dried up sponge, when you first try to run water on it, it won't absorb it. It'll just run straight off. So if you do your iodine loading test where you take a dose of iodine and then we're measuring in the urine how much you excrete, the more you excrete, the higher iodine levels are. So if you don't need iodine, your body will just expel it in your urine. Right. Um, so the iodine testing is taking a dose of iodine, then collecting your urine for 24 hours, and then the test is measuring how much iodine comes out in your urine. Um, and so then we're able to see, and you're given a percentage. So if 96% comes out in your urine, then you're not deficient in iodine. If 70% comes out, then you are deficient. If your 40% comes out, then you're really deficient. Um, so we can get a false negative if we just test straight away. If your receptors aren't properly absorbing iodine, you could excrete 98%. Very useful. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, and then we'd be thinking that iodine levels are okay. Um, so that's the kind of testing that we can do. Um, so lots of people do like doing that. They like to see that there is a deficiency and then monitor it. Um, so, yeah, that's something that can be done as well. Um, one thing that you haven't talked about is soul water. And isn't that ah, yes. important to start with before you begin iodine protocol? Yeah, definitely. So the selenium and the soul water are both something that started before, yeah. um, before you even start on the iodine. And that's to get your sodium levels back up um, and also to get your selenium levels back up. So, and that's, they're both important for the way that the thyroid functions and the sodium's important for the way. I don't that, hear what she's saying. Okay. The sodium's important for the way you. that your, um, your cells uptake the iodine. Right. So salt water is, uh, how do you make it? So soul water is a mixture. We can, I can give you guys a link and then we can put that there as well. Yeah, that would be good. Read so they don't have to remember this. Yeah. Um, but it's basically just getting a jar with a plastic lid. I generally fill it about a quarter of the way with salt mm. and then the rest with good quality filtered water. Um, and then you just shake it and leave it overnight. And then the next morning you have a look at it and you want to see that there's still salt crystals left in the bottom that it's haven't super dissolved. Saturated, basically. Like you've super yeah, saturated. so you're saturating it, which means that no more salt can be suspended in the water. Mm. And so you just want to make sure there's, yeah, there's salt left in the bottom. And it's important what kind of salt you use too. Yeah, definitely. So using, yeah, good quality sea salt. I like to use Murray River pink salt because mm -hmm. it's also sustainable. And that has plenty of, um, so it has iodine in it as well. The salt? No, it's not iodized, no. It's not. Okay, so that doesn't no. matter. Does salt usually have iodine naturally in it? Well, the sea salt oh, does. Yeah, not, it, yeah not, not a very high amount. It out. always falls out when so, I move it. So, <laughs> so yeah, not, not um, very high amount. So you can let go of it. You can let go. What else have we forgotten to talk about? Is there anything else that we haven't covered for this podcast? Oh, I have a couple of questions. Let's go for it. Okay. Um, someone wanted to know what's the connection between the adrenals and weight gain around the tummy? Okay. So when our stress hormones are pumping, Asking for a friend. No, just kidding. It is actually oh, yeah. someone else who asked, but I want to know as well. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I did see. I think I did see that. Um, <laughs> see that question in the group. Yeah, so you're off the hook there, Joe. Thanks. Um, so when our um, when we've got uh, cortisol pumping around the body, so and as we talked about in the session last week that um that when we've when we've got lots of stress then we've got a lot of we've got high stress hormones like cortisol so that actually <clears throat> that actually um that actually causes weight gain in a few when ways moving like that then moving <laughs> fast and it can't, it can't. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Okay. We're going to get there. So yeah. So stress can cause weight gain in a few ways. Um, and the cortisol actually makes you hungry. So that's a really interesting one Uh that when that stress is pumping around, cortisol can actually make you eat more. And one of the really, you know, um, cortisol is, is really nasty in this way. It actually increases the satiety. That's okay. The satiety that you feel like the um the dopamine hit that you get from eating food so when you've got cortisol pumping around your body and you and then you satisfy the hunger and eat something the resulting dopamine hit the pleasure you get from that right so that's why actually is increased (laughs) yeah yeah so it's yeah that's where i feel like cortisol is really evil (laughs) <laughs> um, that it's actually making so you, it makes you hungry and it makes you uh, yeah. love food more is that what yeah. you're so it, it it's you know when you eat and you get your dopamine here yeah i know that very that. well i can yeah. tell you so i can write poetry about that no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it actually yes. yeah it actually increases that satisfaction feeling hmm. so it's like there's, you know, the satisfaction you get from food anyway, up your cortisol levels, and then that satisfaction from eating will be greater. Hmm. Ah, so like the Rolling Stones had really low cortisol levels because they can't get more satisfaction? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Tell <laughs> oh, your dad, bro. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Give me some credit. I was a off the cuff kind of joke. It was good. Yeah, it was, was good. good. Yeah. That was good. But I would imagine rock rockstar lifestyle would have a lot of cortisol. You know. Just, yeah, I'm really amazed that Mick Jagger had no satisfaction. He would have, yeah, so much dopamine. All right, cool, cool. Well, let's see. Um, so that makes you put on weight because you were overeating. Uh, it creates like a vicious cycle in in you. Like one is the hunger to eat; the other one is a higher food reward, which means yeah, that's food. it. That's, that's yeah. the term we needed: food reward. Okay. Um, so yeah, so then the cortisol levels also make your tissues less sensitive to um, insulin, and so that means that you end up with more glucose um, pumping around as well. And glucose acts like that you know, locks fat into our cells and so called insulin. Um, and we do know that people taking insulin um, have issues with weight gain. Mm-hmm. And so our insulin levels are going to be higher when we are stressed. <laughs> weight gain, you say? But, uh, <laughs> Dylan's like analyzing this conversation. I love, I'm just looking forward how the how this kid's going to grow up. Like what yeah. going to happen when he's 17 years. Yeah, clever kid. It's gonna be amazing. But well, like been on you know, podcast since I was four. Um, yeah, that's right. He has he's he's the the famous Dylan from A Quirky Journey. But <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering with cortisol, like a lot of people would sort of say, Okay, well my glucose tolerance has gone down because um my um cortisol increase. So if I can't tolerate glucose as much, I may as well go on a super low carb diet and that in itself increases cortisol, doesn't it? Yeah, it can do. It can be a lot. It can be a stress on your adrenals going on a super low carb diet just in mm. one hit. Yeah. So that yeah, for people with adrenal fatigue, just going, just immediately going low carb, I do not recommend because yeah. I've seen. Now that's interesting because when I started really struggling with the adrenal fatigue, um, I felt like my body wanted the carbs. Yeah. And I wondered if that was something that happens, and then you get the weight gain. Well, if you have uh, glucose sensitivity issues where your circulating glucose is um, is higher, means your insulin's going up, it's like it's elevating more, then you will crave more carbs, right? Like yeah. I, I imagine that would be just norm, normal to crave more carbs, not because your body needed them, but because you have okay. more insulin. Yeah, and well, it can be both too. So if, you're, if your adrenals are struggling, you're going to crave more carbs when you go low carb and you as you said you do do that anyway but for someone with adrenal fatigue it's because their blood sugars are swinging all over the place and going too low and stressing out the adrenals so and that's where i guess if you're going to any extremes with diet working with a nutritionist or dietitian that supports the steps you're taking is a good idea Mm. um, to know how to manage these things what's the effect of fasting on the adrenals 
Um, so again, that can cause stress on the adrenals if you're in a state of fatigue. So it's again, something I would recommend working with a practitioner on to know whether or not that's right for you. And my recommendations with fasting is always listening to your body and only and following the when principle. So eating when hunger ensues naturally. So not starving yourself. So if you try doing a fast, it should be because I feel like my body can fast right now. Mm. And then when you start fasting, I'm feeling okay um, with this fast. And then, but if you start to get really hungry and your blood sugars drop, then you need to eat. So that's the way I still fast is I'll always look into my body. Even if I've planned, I want to do it, you know, two day fast next week. If I start and my body is not feeling up to it, I, I don't keep going. I yeah. highly recommend a broth fast. If, uh, yeah, broth fasts are great. Yeah. yeah. Just much easier on the body. Still yeah. getting the nutrients. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can really play around with how you fast. Like you can do a broth and juice, like gap yeah. shake fast. Um, you know, yeah, that you manage that. That's, liquids. That's, mm. Yeah, there's all different ways you can do it. Um, but yeah, and then just on the weight gain again, another aspect of it is, I did talk about last week in adrenal fatigue that when you're um, when you get past kind of that stage two of adrenal fatigue and it's affecting your sex hormones, mm. so which is causing progesterone to become low. Well, that's one also weight gain around the middle is with those hormone changes. So low progesterone, which can cause estrogen to become high. So we know with estrogen dominance. Mm. there's that weight gain around the middle so that would be a big factor um, in that weight around the middle with the stress another question if you've finished on that subject yeah (laughs) yeah um is can you discuss the difference between adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue so it's there's not necessarily a difference and i think we i kind of touched on that at the beginning of the last podcast that i guess when i talk about adrenal fatigue it's just not um it's not completely isolated to the adrenals. It is something that's affecting okay, um, but it's all just of the body. Right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I guess we, they're, they're both umbrella terms. It's mm. like, oh, when you have these symptoms, which we can test as well with Dutch profile to kind of definitely say, yes, stress hormones are here, sex hormones are here. We know there's, mm. um, there's an imbalance here. But, you know, you could have chronic fatigue without any of that coming up in testing. Um, so I guess... There's probably not a big difference in that when adrenal fatigue gets to that chronic state, it would be chronic um, chronic fatigue. Um, but I guess chronic fatigue probably just opens up and covers um, a bigger range. So because fatigue really is an issue that affects far more than the adrenals. Mm. Okay. I did have a, one more question here. Um, someone said they'd heard that adaptogens... Um, uh, sometimes cause problems if you've got severe adrenal fatigue. Do you know much about that? I'm not a herbalist, so I don't. Okay. So, yeah, so I wouldn't ask I wouldn't, a herbalist. <laughs> yeah, ask a herbalist. I could comment, but I don't really want to. Okay. Um, because, I, yeah, I, I think that is a really good one for a herbalist to talk about. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Safety, so I think right. anything, if you're at an extreme level of anything, you need yeah. probably just gradual Go through a restoration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, like taking it easy on yourself rather than bombarding yourself with high potent stuff. Or, mm. I don't know, just slow, slowly recovering. But yeah, yeah definitely. definitely, and that's like with gaps. Even mm. um, even if you start ta- having all the healing foods for someone that's really unwell, that can send them into a healing crisis mm. Mm. because they start to detox too quickly. Yeah, much, yeah. Much. yeah. yeah. But like you need to ease yourself into anything, really. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're in that kind of, you know, if you can't move, chances of you healing quickly are quite low as well, you know, so you just want to take it easy. And just, yeah. I really can't emphasize rest and sleep and turning off technology yeah. at night and not have, looking at blue light and getting as much yeah. sunshine as you can and just... You know, I really think that that's been rhythm. the main things for me lately. Yeah, yeah, natural rhythms, yeah. man. Like just you know, whatever the day is doing, do that. If it's sunny, be in the sun. If it's gone dark, go to sleep, rest, mm. drink broths, be kind to yourself, that kind of stuff. So. You can wear blue light blocker glasses like mine. <laughs> 
I have them there. I just should put them on at night. <laughs> yeah, but we've got them in the store now. The oh, cool. Blue Baxter ones because everyone, <laughs> I'd be wearing them in my videos. Everyone's like, where's your glasses? Oh, that's good. Glasses. So we've got them in the store now. Yeah. Good idea. What are, what, what, you've got them on the store? And yeah. What's the store? My, bi- My, microbiomestore.com.au. Microbiome. Is it .au? Yeah. Microbiomestore.com.au. And you've got the blue block of glasses. Yeah. So, well, they, they'll be, they should be up there now. Um, otherwise, they'll be up in the next day or so. Okay. I just want to see what they look like because I've got some that don't look that cool. At yeah, all. mine look really bad. Oh, <laughs> like, I haven't. Have you seen like something? My... Yeah, yours look fine. Mine look like something from one of those two dollar shops. Yeah, yeah life changing yeah, food is sold that. out on your on your website. Why is it sold out? Put uh, <laughs> <laughs> another order in, at least. Yeah. I just started my video so you guys can see my glasses. Oh, oh. let's have a look. At least, at least. Oh, maybe my video is not working. That's a bit of a letdown. Yeah, well, I'll have to get more copies of the book in. You <laughs> give you a very good deal, very good price. <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, all right, Elise, thank you so much. I think um, that, that's been a really great series on the adrenals and iodine and the thyroid um just a lot of people have thank you so much for coming in again and sharing this information with us and it gives me more things to uh argue with oh great (laughs) tell me off again I don't know how, like she she doesn't like her business partner telling her to rest like how is that even you know that's humane? not true i actually yeah. brag about it like oh, what told me to not work today i said to my friends this morning while we were out having coffee they're oh. like what <laughs> yeah, i'm glad you're not working yeah i went like you're resting and taking care of yourself oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. awesome at least thank you so much i'll see you on wednesday next week yes i'm excited well, like, what are you eating these days? I don't know. What you made me do that. Oh, any, anything. Anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't <laughs> think there's anything you'd cook through that I wouldn't like. Oh, awesome. Well, we'll, we'll get something. <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you staying in Sydney or where are you staying? Um, yeah, so I'll um, head down to Sydney. So, yeah, we're going to go visit family and visit some friends. And okay. Mel and Chelsea. That my oh, nice. That'll oh, be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Elise. That was bye. great. Okay. Pleasure, guys. Say bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, Dylan. Bye, bye everybody, Daddy. <laughs> so cute. I think we should yeah. end the podcast right there. I know. He'll adrenal uh, fatigue. Be more like Dylan. Yeah. Take, take a selfie with you and Dylan so he can use it for the photo for the podcast, will you? glasses. Yeah, and, and the blueberry all over Dylan's face. Oh, that's perfect. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, but well, at least just for FYI, most people who listen to this podcast are mothers trying to get away from kids and. Uh, <laughs> Next time, it would be a really good idea. Aww. I'm just joking. Love you. Guys. Chat to you guys later. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.